0: why banking isn't working for Chicago's largest bank. And have you been following the GameStop Reddit, Ken Griffin, Citadel, Robin Hood thing? Well, it's a lot. Kind of the
1: ultimate man fights dog story.
0: and Crane's senior reporter Steve Daniels joins the podcast today to map out the facts in the story.
1: All of these people on the Reddit uh, website acted in concert to basically engineer one of the the stock market's biggest short squeezes ever.
0: I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist. It's Monday, February 1st. They called, when Trust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC.
2: This is the Cranes Daily Gist with Amy Guth.
0: I'm joined now by Crane senior reporter Steve Daniels, here to talk about, well, everything that has just happened on Wall Street. I feel like there's a lot, and we all kind of have whiplash just watching it all play out. So give me a rundown, of just say the last two weeks of everything that's unfolded.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, sort of a bolt out of the blue that seemed to emanate from this this, this groundswell from uh, all of these people on the Reddit uh, website who acted in concert to basically engineer one of the, the stock market's biggest short squeezes ever um, and uh it was the the sort of kind of the ultimate man fights dog story in the sense that uh here were these uh, these hedge funds um that uh, Gabe Plotkin is a very well regarded hedge fund manager was until this who had a outsized Short position on GameStop, which is a company nobody's really given too much of a thought about for a long time. It sells video games out of uh, brick and mortar stores, used video games and new ones. That has been sort of, you know, superseded by the by the web, and so a little bit of a buggy whip maker type situation. And um, uh, but because all of the sort of regular Joe investors. Bought shares. It meant that a very outsized short position in that stock was squeezed to the point where uh, Plotkin needed to uh, to, to uh, unwind that at a great cost to himself. The Wall Street Journal reported that his hedge fund for the month of January was down fifty one percent, which is uh, and really almost mainly due to the to the GameStop uh, situation. So. All of this then launched several other uh, efforts. Uh, AMC, the movie chain, which of course stock is in the dumpster because there's no one's going to movies, and some others. Uh, today, there's a there's some concerted action on silver, the commodity. So it, you know, there, this is a group that sort of talks about all of this on in sort of humorous and profane ways on the Reddit chat board. And then, but then backs it all up with uh, enough concerted action to put immense pressure on, uh, on the most sophisticated investors that we have in this country. It's uh, a story like we've never seen before.
0: And so then enter Citadel and Ken Griffin. And where does he and his company factor into all of this?
1: Well, they first factored in when Plotkin's uh, hedge fund ran into such trouble that it needed a bailout and he turned to Steve Cohen a, a guy that he uh, had once run money for who also happens to be the owner of the New York Mets and uh, Ken Griffin at Citadel for help the two of them combined to inject uh, nearly 3 billion dollars into uh, into the hedge fund with Griffin being 2 billion of that 2.75 billion so uh, that's how he first emerged as a player in the story. So then, you know, the the initial take on that was uh, these these guys were rescuing their fellow member of the fraternity who they sort of might believe had been subject to unfair forces that didn't reflect actual market realities. GameStop isn't, uh, you know, at the where it was priced at one point it was going to be in sort of Google like growth trajectories <laughs> never going to happen. But then, you know, with a little bit of time, uh you know, they both Cohen and Griffin drove a pretty hard bargain with Plotkin. Not only are they uh going to share because of their position in the in his hedge fund with the gains in the fund, but they're also going to get a piece uh, of his revenue that he gets from the fee hedge fund fees for the next three years. So, you know, that, that made it look like a little bit more of a a classic Wall Street, you know, sure, we'll help you out for a price kind of thing. But then the other aspect of Citadel and Griffin that uh, that put him at the center of this is that Citadel Securities, which is separate from Citadel, the hedge fund, but both owned by Ken Griffin, is one of, if not the biggest market maker in the country, basically helps make the, the, the market work. And in particular was, was the largest flow taker for, for the Robinhood trading app, which was also at the center of all of this. So Citadel Securities basically uh, is the most important. There's four or five of these uh, firms that help Robinhood make its, App work, but Citadel is the most important of them. Does the most volume, and as a result, all kinds of suspicions then were were aired in public, particularly on the Reddit chat boards. Geez, Ken Griffin and Citadel know what what we're buying at and what we're trading at, and all those other stuff, and are using that to determine their own investing decisions. Which he and Citadel vehemently denied. The two firms they. Uh, they say are utterly separate and it would in fact be illegal for the two of them to, to conspire in that way. And they definitely don't do that. So anyway, all of that was the, uh, what uh, was in the space of about a week, what happened to Ken Griffin.
0: That's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to that right there. And, and there's not really any precedent for this and it happens so quickly. Will this leave, do you think any, Lasting marks on the way Robinhood operates, on the way the system works? Well,
1: I think it will, but I, but how it will is, uh, I don't think anybody can say. The whole idea behind Robinhood was commission free trading, you know, trading for the masses. You too can trade stocks without having to pay through the nose to do so, you know, a market for the every man, every woman. And That uh, narrative, of course, now is is maybe in tatters is a little too strong, but certainly uh, has been undermined substantially because, uh, because Robinhood had to suspend trading for large chunks of time in GameStop, in AMC, and some of these other names. It said it was due to liquidity reasons. They went out and raised another billion dollars on equity from its existing shareholders to to reopen on a limited basis, trading some of those names. But we've seen kind of fits and starts on that. You know, they say it's, it's, it is the demands of uh, their clearinghouse that are behind all of that. But obviously, again, raises suspicions that the game is rigged, that regular people can't get a fair shake. So regulators will be looking into that and 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 how these various uh, trading platforms function, uh, how that all shakes out. Um, I don't know, but uh, but certainly the future of commission-free trading or this sort of platform may well it may well be that uh, there's a shakeout and that you have fewer fewer entities and larger entities handling that rather than Upstarts like uh, Robinhood, that that wouldn't be a surprise.
0: And what is the Robinhood business model? Since it's commission-free trading, how do they make money?
1: They make money by the Citadel's of the world come in and buy the you know the orders um, that uh, ordinary uh, stock traders place on their site. Citadel buys that and then sells them for slightly more, so like pennies, but huge volumes of these trades. So that's how Citadel makes money. And Robinhood makes money from from basically selling these trades to companies like Citadel Securities. There's four, like I said, four or five of them. So that's how Robinhood makes its money, and then and then Citadel essentially uh, gets those trades executed.
0: Now we're looking at silver commodities moving around, but as for GameStop and AMC, why these stocks in particular? Why were those selected?
1: They, they, these are sort of beaten down companies with, you know, whose futures are fairly dim and have very elevated levels of short interest, meaning uh, a lot of investors have bought huge amounts of their shares short. And if we need to explain what short selling is, we can do that. But uh, in essence, it's a bet that the stock will go down using borrowed shares to do it. So if you're an investor, you you borrow the shares from, from uh, an entity that Holds those shares, and then you sell them, and then you, uh, in some period of time, buy them back. Hopefully, uh, at a lower price, but you pocket, pocket the difference. Um, uh, so that's that's how that works. But you know, if those stocks are bid up, then then that blows up that strategy, and uh, and then eventually. As a short seller, you have to decide whether you're going to capitulate or not. And, and you, you may very well have no choice because you'll have margin calls uh, where, where the people who you borrowed from say, hey, um, time to pay. And it's, you know, it's been amazingly effective.
0: Right. And so what's next? I feel like so much has happened in such a short time around all of this. And as all these pieces have come into this story, what are you going to be watching for just in, in the next week?
1: Well, in the next week, I think in the short term, you know, a lot of the focus is going to be, okay, who's the next GameStop? Who's the next AMC? What's the next uh, name that the sort of the trading mob, used the term very loosely and not pejoratively, uh, is going to, to target? In the more intermediate period of time, uh, I think there will be hearings on Capitol Hill. There will be, the SEC will be involved in this. And I think there will be an interest in trying to tamp down the volatility that's inherent in, in this, you know, push me, pull you, how the regulators and how potentially lawmakers go about doing that. I don't know yet. And probably no one does, but, but I think there will be a desire to do that. And then, you know, Separately, uh, who who is among among these various hedge funds are going to get in trouble? And um, maybe most, at least to me, interesting thing is how eventually these these various hedge fund managers figure out a different way to do the same thing. So one thing that's definitely not going to happen for for the foreseeable future is in, uh, invest uh, sophisticated investors advertising to the world what their short strategies are. You know, who who are we shorting? In the past, a lot of times, a public campaign is part of the shorting strategy because you want the rest of the world to, or the rest of the investing world, to, to think that the stock is going down too. That helps the stock to actually go down, and then you make money on the short. Well, that's not working now. So, uh, so I think you will see far less of that. And you may see far less of just shorting period, uh, at least for, you know, the next quarter or two quarters or till whenever these these investment managers, these these investors can figure out a different method of doing doing this without uh incurring such risk.
0: Indeed. Well, I'm sure we will talk to you again very soon about this. But in the meantime, I always appreciate you stopping by to talk through these stories. Thanks so much, Steve.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Coming up, former Cubs executive Theo Epstein joins a sports investment firm. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Thank you so much for helping us reach 1 million downloads of Cranes Daily Gist. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this and other Cranes journalism, take advantage of a $1 four-week subscription to Cranes this week only. Just go to chicagobusiness.com slash dailygist to secure your subscription. The largest bank headquartered in Chicago, Northern Trust, saw a 14% decline in net interest income that led to a 19% decrease in net income overall, making 2020 the bank's worst one-year performance since 2010, when net income fell 23%. Worse still, the drop in net interest income came even as earning assets surged 16% to $124 billion on average in 2020, up from $107 billion the year before. At the end of 2020, earning assets were a record-breaking $159 billion. Deposits at year's end were 32 percent higher than at the end of 2019, but Northern also had to put aside more than $100 billion in low-yielding securities and Federal Reserve deposits. In an email, a Northern spokesperson says Northern views banking as a key part of all its client services, saying, quote, In the past tumultuous year, Northern Trust had the capital to take tens of billions in deposits and make loans to clients when the typical lending channels were closed during times of crisis. He said, Continuing, Net interest income is highly dependent on rates, which we can't control. Also saying of net income that lower numbers aren't a surprise, quote, given the current rate environment and that it doesn't impact the bank's view as to the, quote, strategic importance of our banking business within the mix of products and services we provide. Northern is eliminating 500 positions early this year, or 2.5 percent of its global workforce, and also reducing bonuses and freezing pay for the time being for many of its workers. In an email this month to staff, Northern CEO Michael O'Grady attributed the cutbacks to the, quote, headwinds of continued lower interest rates, which he said, quote, reduced our earnings in 2020 and will put pressure on our profitability this year. City officials have reached a deal with some workers at Chicago Public Schools, including special ed classroom aides, bus drivers, security custodians, crossing guards, and nutrition workers. But an overall deal with the Chicago Teachers Union still remains out of reach. And as of now, a strike could still be on the table. Reporter A.D. Quig is covering
2: the story for Cranes. As of this recording at 1:30 p.m. Monday, there is still not a deal between Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Teachers Union. Negotiations continue today, but as of Sunday night, the two sides were still working out a couple big issues. Accommodations for teachers who live with folks at risk of severe health outcomes from COVID and a vaccination plan for teachers. Basically, teachers do not want to return to schools until they have access to the vaccine A deal has been reached with SEIU Local 73. They represent support staff like nutrition workers, security guards, and special ed assistants. In the past, including during the 2019 strike, that union has stood in solidarity with CTU and not crossed picket lines. I would expect that to continue if they do decide to go on strike. Basically, CPS told teachers to still report to schools today, although students are still remote. If teachers didn't show up, CPS said they would lock them out of their Google Classroom technology. If that happens, CTU would call its House of Delegates and go on strike, perhaps as soon as tomorrow. Visit chicagobusiness.com
0: for the latest on this and many other stories. U.S. Representative for Illinois Adam Kinzinger, one of the most vocal GOP critics of Donald Trump, has started a political action committee to challenge the influence the former president has on the Republican Party. Kinzinger said on NBC's Meet the Press that the goal of the newly launched Country First PAC is to, quote, defend conservative principles, even as some members of the party continue to back Trump's politics.
2: But the reality is this. This is a time to choose. It's a time to choose what we're going to be in. And, and my goal in launching countryfirst.com with the number one is just to say, look,
1: let's take a look at the last four years, how, how far we have come in a bad way, how backwards looking we are, how how much we peddle darkness and division. And that's not the party I ever signed up for. And I think most Republicans didn't sign up for that. So you know what? Quite. Yes, it's a tough position to be in, but it's really invigorating to remember what you're standing for and to talk about
0: putting the country over party. In a video, Kinzinger argues that the Republican Party has embraced, quote, poisonous conspiracies and lies that culminated in the violent siege of the U.S. Capitol building this month by Trump supporters. He also says in the video, quote, the future of the GOP is on the line and what we do will determine where America goes from here. Senior GOP leaders are trying to maintain peace within the party, frayed by the results of the election, the violence at the Capitol, and Trump's approaching impeachment trial in the Senate. Ten House Republicans voted with Democrats to impeach Trump for his role in encouraging the violence, including Kensinger and number 3-ranked Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming. Theo Epstein is teaming up with a private equity firm, Arctos Sports Partners, that focuses on investments in pro sports franchises, becoming his second new gig in the two months since he resigned from the Cubs after nine years, during which time he rebuilt the team that won the 2016 World Series. The Dallas-based firm announced that Epstein has joined as what they described as an executive in residence to help launch new initiatives for the company, aiming to buy minority shares of pro teams. Crane's reporter Danny Ecker has more.
2: Theo Epstein said in November he could see another chapter of his career in baseball that might involve team ownership, and this is right in line with that. It sounds like uh, he'll be an advisor to pro sports franchise ownership groups that this private equity firm is attached to. He also, just a few weeks ago, was named a consultant by Major League Baseball for things like rule changes for the game and other on-field matters. So it's only been about two months since he resigned from the Cubs, and He's already putting himself in some interesting new positions to influence the future of professional sports.
0: And that's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at ChicagoBusiness.com. Thanks so much to our guest today, Crane's senior reporter, Steve Daniels. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your audio on demand. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.